0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I've done this pulpit for very short people, I'm not sure why. But um, really amazing to be here. What a privilege to be with this amazing church. Um, I want to start off by um, firstly introducing myself. As Gabe said, my name's Tyler. I'm part of the Life Changers team on staff. Um, at the same time, I also just started my own coffee business, which is really, really exciting and loving that, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I get to be part of this amazing team. That is my wife, Kate. I love her with all my heart. Thank you for sending her um, and loving her. And she really loves this church. We often um, will just sit at home and talk about, and we, I love Table View. Those guys are amazing. Um, but God. some Some of my mates from Table View here are part of our life group, which is cool, sitting right at the back there like the gangsters. but they're really nice people. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, just, uh, you guys are an incredible church. Uh, you love each other in an amazing way. I just, um, uh, it's quite an interesting thing when you walk into, a, having been part, very, very much part of a church for a long time, and then you plant a church in another area, and then you walk into a room, and there are all these faces that you don't know. And I'm really used to knowing everybody, and just an amazing thing to walk into a room and see how people have sown, and people have loved people, and people have stretched themselves, and um, you really are an incredible church, Life Changes Milnington, and we hear story after story after story of faith journeys and God doing amazing things. And I, I just thought before I start preaching, I'd boast about one couple, Warren and Ingerstein. These um this this couple is incredible. Um so when I joined church, if you join church, you have to join the kids' ministry. That's a rule. So if you haven't been part of kids' ministry, you need to get involved there. But I, when I got saved at 16 years old, I became part of a kids' ministry. And myself and, and Warren and two other people went on a, a conference trip up to Joburg to go learn about kids' ministry and how to do it well. And I remember it was one of the most ridiculous times, a <laughs> couple of days of my life, because Warren is one of the naughtiest guys you will ever meet. He hid my bag, he would steal my bedding and hide it in the box bathrooms, it was just a ridiculous couple of days, um, but, but I just saw a person who's passionately in love with Jesus, and to hear you guys pioneering the prayer meetings here, and now moving that over to Tableview, if you guys want a very accurate prophecy, chat to Inga, um, but, but yeah, just you guys are incredible, I really, really love you, and thank you for loving me, and for loving my wife, you've, uh, you've really been amazing, so love you guys, um, Gabe, you're also a very good thing, eh? Um, but this morning I have the you know, the real privilege of, of preaching God's Word. And last, last thing. I'm so excited for my friends Crystal and Michael. They're amazing. I know he was in the darkness in the back of that photo looking a little bit creepy. Hello. Um, but... But really excited for them. They're an amazing couple, and so amazed to see what I've I've been part of the journey. And it's so amazing when you're part of people's journeys, and then they take these big steps, which is really really cool. But that's enough about all of those things. This morning I get to um, preach God's word, and we are in the middle of a series called A New Way. It's in the book of Colossians. And last week Gabe did an incredible job of opening up the series. I went and listen to it online. Um, really really amazing job of opening it up and and getting us started. Um, and this morning. I just want to give you a bit of context. If you weren't here last week um, and, you, and you haven't read the book of Colossians, firstly, I'd love to say go read it. It's four chapters. From beginning to end, it'll take you 15, 20 minutes to read. And we read it together as a life group on, on Tuesday evening. And after reading the book, you're just so full of Jesus. You can just read it from cover to cover. We read it very quickly. There are a lot of names that are very difficult to pronounce, um, so Rochelle struggled with that in chapter four, but um, but but once you read it, you read it 15 minutes later, you're going, Jesus is incredible, and that is what the Word of God is designed to do. It's designed to ignite our hearts to fall more in love with Jesus, so I would encourage you go and read it. Just to give you a bit of context, the book is written by a man named Paul. Paul is in prison while he's writing this, and he writes to a church in a place called Colossae. This church was planted by a man named Epaphras. So Paul has never been to Colossae. He's never met these people, but he's met Epaphras. Epaphras got saved in a place named Ephesus, which is kind of modern-day Turkey. If you've ever heard of, of, of Paul and Ephesus, he preached there. This man, Epaphras, got saved, and what Epaphras did was he went back home to Colossae, and he decided to plant a church what I love about the story of this book is that actually the qualification of God is for every single one of us what I love about that story is that actually he got saved he fell madly in love with Jesus and he went I'm going home I might as well plant a church I don't know how many of you guys have done that recently we just went home to the city and we're like let's get this thing started he went home he started this church and it started to grow people were added and uh but the area is quite an interesting area, a full of of people who worshiped many different gods and so what started to happen is this strange teaching started to creep into the church and Epaphras went back and spent some time with Paul and Paul writes this letter for two reasons: one to to bring a, a measure of correction to this church to to pull them away from that false teaching and also to encourage the believers in Colossae, because they're an amazing church, and actually he's heard of how incredible they are from Epaphras, and so he writes this book, or this letter rather, four, four chapters as we read it, but it would have been one long letter when they received it, um, to encourage them, and Kind of the main themes of this book is, and and you as you hit it, as you start reading it, you realize that that Paul is just boasting in the name of Jesus. He's saying Christ is Lord over all. He takes the the from verse um 15, 16. He just starts to speak about the preeminence of Christ, the bigness of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, and he goes on to do that. And he he speaks about how actually he God has secured his salvation and redemption for His people. And you read this, and as you read the book, you just get the sense. Of of I am secure in Christ. The sense of Jesus is so unbelievably incredible. And so he writes this and and kind of because of that secure salvation, because we are redeemed in Jesus, we have a rudder to live our lives by. We have a rudder that directs our paths. And and so what is starting to happen to this church is because of false teaching, some of them are starting to go down a path that is not God's intention. And so what he starts to do is he speaks about Jesus, and then he starts to boast and give them direction. And and what I so love about being in my personal relationship with Christ is it means that my life has direction. You sit with people. We were at a birthday party uh, last night. For an amazing girl in this church named Kaylee, um, and there were a couple of people there, interesting stories, different stories. But you're just chatting with people, and you realize outside of Christ, we have no direction. Outside of Christ, there is no rudder. There is no bearing for us to live our lives by. And what Paul is writing in this book is he, he gives part, one of the sections, he gives instructions for households. He, he encourages households that this is how to run your household in a godly manner. When the Spirit of God comes on us, there is direction. There is a sense of I know where I am headed because I have a Lord who is over my life. I have a king who has a purpose and intention with my life. And and so that is kind of the big themes of this, this book. And and today we're going to be looking at a little bit deeper into community. And I want to say to you this morning that God doesn't leave us wondering. God doesn't leave you wondering. He doesn't leave us wondering about, well, how should I live my life? What is, he doesn't leave us wondering about, okay, cool, start the church and you guys figure it out. No, he gives us his scriptures so that we can know his design and purpose. And I'll tell this joke over and over again, but Wally Gertzmaier would make this very trite comment. He would say, if you want to hear the audible voice of God, read the Bible aloud. It's just this very trite statement, but actually it's this truth that when we desire to know the design and plan of God, get stuck into His, his Scriptures. They are powerful, they transform, and actually in this, in this particular letter, God gives us a design for community. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read Colossians um, chapter 1, verse 3 to 8. So it's a short portion of Scripture, um, and then we're going to get stuck in. Is that all right? Really excited for this morning, and the scripture will be on the screen behind me, but if you have a Bible, also uh, grab that. If you have a notebook, grab that as well. It goes like this. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace." You learnt it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for this morning, God. I thank you as we read your scriptures, King Jesus. You direct our hearts. You transform us from the inside out, God. And I pray as we engage with your word, Father, as we dig into these five or so verses, Father, I pray that you would do something significant inside of us, God. As a community of believers who are passionately in love with you, King Jesus, I pray that you would start to transform us. I pray that today would not simply be another church moment, God, but rather it would be a moment where we engage with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are passionately in love with you, King Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Amazing. So this morning, I, I really, I love this portion of scripture. I took out a very old Bible that I've had for probably eight years. It was a gift from a friend named Malcolm Herbert, and I opened to this book, and I just saw how I had underlined and scribbled things in the linings, and it's just amazing for me, because I was like, wow, I, I, this is a really incredible portion of scripture, and Paul begins this portion of scripture by saying this. He says, because we have heard, Something about that line jumped out at me that Paul, who had never been to this church, had heard of their faith in God and their love for one another. I don't know about you, but that is an amazing compliment to a church. It's an amazing compliment to an individual when you, when you boast of someone and you go, actually, I've heard of how much you love Jesus. I've heard of how much you love people. How much more of a compliment is it when you say, I've heard of how much this community love Jesus. I've heard of how much this community love people. And actually, Paul had never met them. He had never spent one-on-one time with them. But actually, the stories of what God was doing there had traveled And I believe that God wants to do similar things in this community. You see, the Bible was written to a particular people at a particular time for a particular context. But actually, so much of this we can apply to our world today. And I believe God wants to build a community of believers called Life Changers where people hear of their faith in Jesus. Where people hear of our love for people. I love that. Actually, Paul, what Paul's doing in these texts is he's describing a new way of living. He's describing, and the reason we called the, the series this is because actually community looks different when Jesus is at the center. You see, we, we are in a world that is filled with different communities. We have, you, can, you, you can be a member of a, a cycling club. You can be a member of a running club. You can be a member of all of these communities, and, and they're, they're good things, but actually when Jesus is at the center, community looks different. Because actually those communities, they prioritize who's in charge. They prioritize who has the best and, and who can get the most out of this. But actually when we put Jesus at the center, community becomes about loving one another and about pressing into Christ, about preferring one another, about putting one another first. You see, when Jesus is at the center, things look different. I love that three of the key kind of clarin statements that Paul makes throughout the Scriptures is he speaks about faith, he speaks about hope, and he speaks about love in all his letters. And in this letter, he says to this community, I want to commend you because I've heard of your faith, your hope, and your love. And for me, there's something that leaps out in that, going, Jesus, I want to be known for my faith in you, my hope in your Scriptures and your Gospel, and my love for people around me. And I pray as I preach this morning, Something would stir in us to pursue that reality, to pursue a community that looks different, that has a different way of doing things um two or three weeks ago we went away on a men's camp men's camps are always intriguing things it's quite an interesting time we had a separate bungalow for the snorers so they can keep each other awake um, which is 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 good but uh it was an amazing time we had guys sharing of god's breakthrough but uh on my way to camp i I gave my dad a quick call just to say how's it dad um and he said oh what are you doing i said no we've actually just arrived at a campsite he said oh what campsite why why are you at a campsite i said no well actually i'm on a, a men's camp He said, a what? I said, a men's camp. He said, what's a men's camp? And I said to him, well, it's a group of, and I realized in that moment, because my dad has no context for church. He's not a believer. And uh, I realized in that moment, this actually is quite a strange thing. So I said to him, no, well, it's a group of guys. We go away for two or three days, and and we kind of hear some preaching. We worship together. We hang out. We become friends. He says, "Is it kids. It's like youth camp. So I said, no, they're like grown men. And and I I realized that actually we live in a world that does not have a context for good community. It is a foreign reality to people who don't know Jesus. And you see, we can so quickly huddle around community and go, wow, this is amazing. But actually, this is designed to be a sign and a wonder for the world who doesn't know it. And I realize that when one day, if my dad comes and visits Cape Town, I want him to walk into a community that is a sign and a wonder for who Jesus is. And I, but I realize so quickly that we live in a world that, that good, wholesome, loving community is completely foreign to them. And I believe that when we start to understand what it means to be the community of God in greater and greater ways, we become a more powerful witness to the world because they start to hear of what God is doing and they want to find out, they want to get to know, they want to meet this amazing Jesus. I want to say to you, this community is designed by God, it is foreign to the world, and it is a picture of the power of the gospel. I want to say to you, the stories that were shared this morning, John and Shay, Crystal, story after story, they are pictures of the power of the gospel. But we don't want to, we don't want to be telling the same stories over and over again. We want to see new people coming into freedom, coming into life, coming to walk into the freedom of Christ. And so this morning, I'd love to share three keys that I believe are at the core of being a community that is is moving forward and that is known for their faith and their loving God. The first one, and it's a very simple one, but I believe it's such a key one, number one is pursuing Christ, because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, You see, what I love about this book is that Paul keeps the main thing, the main thing. Right through this book, he speaks about Jesus. And what this church was facing was it was facing a version of the gospel that was adding things to it. There were these false teachers who were saying, yes, you, you, you can believe in Jesus, but you also there were some Jewish things they were saying you had to adhere to. There were some pagan rituals they were saying you had to adhere to, and, and, and you should have experiences with angels, and you should do this, and you should do that. And what Paul's saying is, no, you need to keep the main thing the main thing. You need to pursue Christ and Christ crucified. And you see the challenge is we start to become bitter. We start to lose focus. We start to lose community when we take Jesus out of the center of our pursuit. See, if Jesus is not at the center of a community's pursuit, you start to get strange things starting to happen. And so what Paul does is he starts to write, he writes to this church and he says, guys, keep Jesus at the center. The main focus of this book is to make much of Jesus. I love that Paul doesn't start out by reprimanding the problem. He starts out by encouraging them, number one, of how well they're doing. Because actually, people who are pursuing God, well done. Well done for pushing into Jesus. And then what he does is he starts to call them to more. He starts to make much of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And and so the question we need to ask ourselves as believers, and I don't believe that this is a question that, that is a kind of once off when you commit your life to Christ and then you move on. No, I believe we need to ask ourselves the question Am I holy and completely committed to Christ? Am I holy and completely devoted to Jesus first and foremost? And you might be saying to yourself, well, how do I answer that question? Well, it's really simple. What is your first go-to when you're under pressure? What is the first thing you, you step into? I love that the word calls us. says, when you go to bed at night, go to bed thinking of things on high. When you wake up in the morning, think of things on high. It's not this, this kind of um, read your Bible before you go to bed and after you go to bed. No, it's saying that consume yourself with the knowledge of Jesus. Pursue Christ in greater ways. Push into Jesus in bigger ways. You see, your hope is not found in your actions. Your hope is not found in rituals or doing things well. Your hope is found in Jesus. The thing that you can place your whole self in is found in in Jesus. And so this morning, I want to encourage us that put on the priority agenda of your life to pursue the name of Jesus, to pursue the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because transformation happens automatically when we put Jesus first. Change happens instantaneously when we pursue Christ. And actually, there's this reality of going, Jesus, even though all of these things are valid, reading the Word, going to church, doing all of these things are valid and important things. But if Jesus is not at the center of those things, they lose their power. And actually, they start to hurt us. But when Jesus is at the center, transformation and life start to pour out. And this morning, I really want to say that pursuing Christ looks different for every single believer. I think sometimes all we can so quickly do is try to put on a generic stamp over our pursuit of Christ. I've got a friend of mine who, um, she really struggled to read the Bible. She struggled to sit for hours and just kind of read and read and read. So what she started to do was she would read a verse of Scripture, and I know this sounds a little bit different and it's not what I would do, but she would read a verse of Scripture. Then she'd go for a 20-minute walk and pray about that verse of Scripture. Then she'd get home and she'd draw a picture about that verse of Scripture. Now for some of us who are sitting here going, that's unusual. I just open my Bible and I make notes. But actually, for each and every one of us, we have to find a personal pursuit of Christ. We have to find a pursuit of Christ that brings the Scriptures and Jesus into our world intimately and personally. Don't try to live somebody else's faith. You see, the challenge is we live in a world where the internet is very accessible, we can listen to preachers, we can do all of these things, and what starts to happen is we start to live on second-hand revelation of Jesus. But the challenge when we live on second-hand revelation of Jesus is when the pressure comes and the the realities of life start to press on us, those things are tested, and when they are not personal revelation, they break. But when we have invested in a personal pursuit of Christ, those foundations stand strong. And so I want to say to you this morning, find your space with God. Find moments with Jesus. I love. I hear stories of guys. A lot of guys will take the bus to work in the morning, and 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 they'll put headphones in their ears, and they'll listen to the scriptures as they go to work in the morning. And there's just this reality of how you will start to see your life transform when you pursue God in a personal manner. Don't let Sunday be your top up for the week. Let Sunday be an encouragement. Let Sunday call you to more, but let every day become a personal outworking with God. There's something about it. When I read the Book of Colossians through, it's just a sense of wow, God, I want to mine your scriptures more, because in 15 minutes, I felt my spirit explode with the goodness of God, and that only happens when we personally pursue Jesus. Number one, pursuing Christ. Number two, pursuing community, and you might say to me, well, how do I pursue community? How do I pursue this reality of community? I want to say to you that community is a choice that is given to each of us. Community is designed by God. It is a gift by God. He gives it to us, but it is at the same time a choice that He gives to us, to step into or to step out of. And I believe that for every day, every week, and for the rest of my life, I will have to choose to step into God's community, to step into that space. You see, we live in a world where isolation is easy. We live in a world that is designed for us to be self-sufficient. It is designed for us to build islands on our own. I don't know, even as we were driving into Milniton now, Kate looked around and she's like, wow, these houses are big. You realize people live in these massive houses on these estates on where salaries look after them every month. That's why at the moment Europe is one of the most challenging places to preach the gospel. Why? Because people have become self-sufficient. They've lost the need for God. And so what we need to remind ourselves is do not become self-sufficient. Pursue community. I believe it is the easiest time in the history of the world for us to live self-indulged lives. And community, because of that, community is an even bigger choice and I believe even more powerful than ever before. When we phone our our unsaved family or our family members who don't know Christ, and they go, well, what's a men's camp? It is an opportunity to display the power of community. At the core of this community journey is this concept called love. I love how Paul puts it. He says, the love you have for all God's people. He had heard of their love for one another. And I think um, love is not only a feeling, but it is a choice we make empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, love is often taught to us as this cool feeling that when you meet someone for the first time and you get those butterflies in your stomach, and you like I do every morning when I wake up next to my wife, but um, but you know that, that feeling of like, oh, this is so exciting, but actually, no, love is a decision that we make every day, and you might have heard this many, many times, but in order to press into community, we have to master the art of love, because love is this fascinating, powerful thing that can change the world but if we want to live in community, it is something that we need to press into. You see, 1 Corinthians 13 is not just this text that speaks about, um, that is grateful weddings or grateful when you start dating or you go on a marriage course. No, 1 Corinthians 13 is a commission by the King of Kings. It is this text that calls us to so much more. And I'd love to paint a few pictures for you. And and after I've been, I've worked full time for the church for eight years. I've been part of Life Changes for 10 years. And so what that has afforded me the opportunity is to walk lots of roads with lots of different people. And it's so fascinating because we celebrate amazing stories of people stepping out and pushing in and pushing into more, and and Warren and Inga pioneering again after years and years of being in our community, and and all of these things, we celebrate them. But unfortunately, I've had the the opportunity to sit across from tables with people who have discussed their reasons for, well, yeah, I just can't do this anymore. And, And I just wanted to paint a few pictures and then illustrate how actually the gospel challenges us in this area, how a revelation of love challenges us in the area of community. The first one, and, and I've got this a couple of times, that guy promised me he would phone me last week. That guy from the church, that pastor, he promised me he'd phone me last week, but he didn't. Actually, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go find another church. Oh, but wait, 1 Corinthians 13 says love is patient, Ah, that excuse, can't use that excuse. Oh, you know that that person, they just they just irritate me so much. I can't handle the way they worship. I just can't handle it. They just make a lot of noise and they move a lot. And I'm going to have to find another ch- Oh wait. Love is kind. Ah, can't use that excuse. You know that guy Tyler, he's a real chop and they keep asking him to preach and I'm a better preacher. I know I'm a better preacher. But actually, oh well, no, love does not envy. Ah, oh, can't use that excuse. You know, I know my finances are a mess, but that guy, Brett, who does he think he is challenging me about my financial situation? Who does he think he is? It's my personal thing. Well, no, actually, love rejoices in truth. Ah, can't use that excuse. And you see, when we start to understand that love is a practical thing, you know, I've been hurt so many times by people in and out of the church. I just can't trust people. No, 1 Corinthians 13 says love always trusts it doesn't say love trusts sometimes. It doesn't say love trusts when it's convenient. No, it says love always trusts. And you know what that means? I've got to trust that the power of God will heal my brokenness so that I can love people in community, so that I can trust people in community. You see, so many people I've sat with over years will use this statement, you know, I'm just really closed off. I can't trust people. I want to say to you that the scriptures, when when Jesus says love always trusts, he is inviting you into a space where he can heal you and give you the power to trust people. This is not a whipping our back and forcing ourselves to be better. No, it's going, God, I am not strong enough for this. I can't trust everybody. I can't do this. But with your power, we can become a community that loves one another. I've been walking with the same person for years, and nothing ever seems to change. I, I just can't lead this home group anymore. I can't do it anymore. Well, no, the Bible says love always perseveres. And so when we, when we start to, and as I read that scripture, and as I engaged with this, this sermon, I, I realized that actually God doesn't give us an out because he wants the best for us. And when he designs it, it is glorious, and it will work if we will give ourselves to it. And so this morning, what I wanted to illustrate with these thoughts is actually that love is not just this ethereal concept that we talk about. No, love has a practical outworking. So that person that you had that coffee with last week who said something that offended you, well, the Bible says love always forgives. And, so, and, that, and, and I don't say that in a trite manner. I say that in a manner, you've got to ask God for the power to outlive that. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, God, I need you to help me forgive that person. Jesus says you need to forgive 70 times 7. He's not giving you a number to try and reach. He's saying you've got to do it over and over and over again. And you see, when we start to steep ourselves in these realities, community starts to become something that transforms the world. It happens a little bit slower. It's a little bit more challenging sometimes. But we start to change the world. I've got an amazing friend called uh, Jake Hearn, and uh, he's, he's a, a really incredible guy, and when I was 16 years old, I got saved. I started, um, I was involved in youth ministry, and he, he invited me into his home. Gabe was living with him, and so I became friends with him, and I remember when I was 18 years old, I went through a very challenging time. I had to find a place to stay, and I was just chatting to Jakey. I said, oh, it's a bit of a tough moment. He said to me, you know what? Come live with me, and his, his three bedrooms were full. There was no space for me. I was sleeping on the couch, and I stayed with them. And and I remember I would often go out for lunch with Jake, but I would often forget my wallet at home when I went out for lunch with Jake. Um, because actually, that's kind of what you do, you know? Um, no, don't do that. But but I would often do that, and I remember, um, and his incredible generosity, five or six or seven <laughs> times Jakey just paid. And I wasn't scared to order, eh? You know when you go to Spur, you order the burger and the milkshake and the... Oh, uh, you know, you do the wallet dance. And, and I remember him paying and paying and paying. And I just, and then, and as I think back, but then after about seven or eight times of this happening, I remember sitting on the couch and Jake's not great at confrontation sometimes, um, but he turns around to me and he goes, Tyler, you know, you're a real mooch. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't and, and that's all he said. And then, I was, and then I had to kind of understand, well, what happened Jan? But you know what the thing was? And and we then had a conversation, and he explained to me what I was doing wrong, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm not going to have any friends if I keep doing that. But what was phenomenal about that is he didn't stop being generous because he had identified a problem. No, he pushed into community. So he showed generosity towards an 18-year-old little chop, but then he challenged me in that area and brought me into the more of God and continued to be generous to me to the point where seven years later I would be living in his house again. And so for me, the power of community comes when we live with people ongoingly, when we have relationship with people over a long period of time, and God uses those people to transform us. I want to say to you, I do not believe that you should ever leave a community unless God says so. There is life and power in Jono and Shay moving because they have heard God and they've obeyed God. And I know that they would not leave if God didn't say go. But the challenge is we allow things to creep in, and then we, we, we step out, and we, we wonder why we're not living in all that God's got for us. Well, because you haven't heard God on, on actually stay, or actually keep going to that church. Keep pushing in. Keep pushing over your, the things that you struggle with, and push into relationship. John thirteen thirty five says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, when we get this right, we change the world. When we get this right, we, my mom said to me the other day, she said to me, your life's so easy. You've got so many friends. And I looked at her and she was just joking, but I, I looked at her and I said, yeah, I do. But I've walked a journey with those friends and we've gone through some tough times. We've gone through some things and yes, they've been incredible blessings, but at times things have been challenging. But remember what I said in the beginning, when we keep Jesus at the center Community has life, we can love one another by His power, and we start to look different to the world. There is power for salvation in being a gospel-centered community. When we are a gospel-centered community, there is the power of God here to see people come to know Christ. So I want to challenge you this morning, take a step into community. Number two, pursuing community, and number three, pursuing growth. And I'm going to be landing on this thought this morning, but I love this line. It says it in verse 7. It says, you learnt it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. And this line just kind of jumped out at me when I was preparing. And I love that actually God calls us to learn from one another. About five or six years ago, we went on a men's camp. If I can have my illustration, please, love. We went on a men's camp. And I don't know about you. This is a box of Rusks. Um, it's a very odd flavor. Janae bought these for men's camp bad flavor, but um, only buttermilk. But, but we went on a men's camp about five or six years ago. There were 65 men on that men's camp. And, and, and part of the conversation in the ops meeting was, hey, let's get rusks for all the men. And Gabe was in charge of buying the rusks. And so there were 66 men at that men's camp. And Gabe brought a box of rusks this big. <laughs> it was this big. And, and the learning from that was that we should never let Gabe organize the men's camp again. No, I'm joking. But actually, it's a silly example, but we've never bought this many rusks again. We've never done that again. We've bought hundreds of boxes of rusks, because men can eat rusks like they are no tomorrow. Who likes rusks here? Somebody must enjoy rusks. No, Khalot, you can't have them. Someone on this side. There we go. Jeremy and Andy, these are your rusks now. Bless you. Um, but actually, it's a silly example But actually, God has designed community to learn from one another, to grow in Christ because of one another. And actually, I don't believe that this is just a, oh, that's a cool thought. No, Jesus showed us that he used situations and everyday life to illustrate who he was. He's with his disciples, 5,000 people need food, and he illustrates that he is their provider. There's a storm on a lake and the the disciples are petrified and Jesus through his power illustrates that he's in control of everything. He takes them on a journey that they shouldn't have been on to meet a Samaritan woman at a well to show her and his disciples that he is living water. You see, when we do community together, we are transformed by the community that we are in. And I believe that God puts people in specific places at specific times for specific purposes. God has put you in the life group that you are in so you can learn from people around you. God has put you in this community so that you can grow in Him because of the people around you. My wife teaches me how to be compassionate. My friend Gerard teaches me about gentleness. Fiona over here, where's Fiona? She's left. She was over there. Fiona teaches me actually how to lead people in the tough moments. Gabe, Gabe, um, and then, no, I'm joking. Gabe, years and years I've watched Gabe lead people with gentleness, and I've learned how to lead people gently but prioritizing their future. A couple named Una and Andrew are in this church with you have taught me how to love Jesus in the midst of the biggest trials of your lives. There's a man named Mark Rossi who recently joined our church, and I got the privilege of going to Doha with him for 10 days. And actually, I got to see a glimpse, a bigger glimpse, of what generosity looks like, because he's unbelievably generous. You see, I believe that God puts us in places at specific times to grow in Him. He puts you in a community of believers so that you can live in a new way, a way that pursues Christ, that pursues community, and that chooses to pursue growth because of those that God has put around you. And actually this morning as we gather together and as we worship together and as we sing together, you worship so beautifully life changes. I want to say to you this morning that God has got so much more for you. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, the Scriptures say that God desires that every man and woman would come to know Him. And this morning, there is a gospel opportunity to know God. Why does Paul spend half of a letter to a church boasting about Jesus? Why? Because without Jesus, we have nothing. Without Jesus, there is no point to this life. But with Christ, this life is rich. With Christ, this life is filled with people that are good and that God has placed you with. There's a In Hebrews, the, the writer, he makes this statement. He says, awake, O sleeper says, awake, O sleeper. And it's the statement that from the day I read it has gripped my heart because actually I don't want to be asleep to the things of God. I don't want to be asleep to the ways of our heavenly Father. I don't want to be asleep to the the love and the grace that God wants to pour out over me. I don't want to be asleep to the good things that God has designed for me in His community. And so this morning I would almost... um, Encourage us and and charge us with the statement, awake, O sleeper. Pursue Christ. Pursue community. Pursue growing in God. Why? Because he has an incredible future for you. And you might be sitting here this morning going, well, how do I do that practically? Well, I want to say to you a simple thing. Become part of a life group. You know, I know we push these things from the front all the time, but we push them because they work. Because people are in them. Say, join a serving team, not because we need the coffee to be packed out on a Sunday, because we want you to build life-giving relationships. Say, go start a reading plan that um, we've put on for 14 days that Michael worked very hard on. Um, But actually, we put that thing on there for 14 days, not because we need something to read. No, because we want to point people in a direction where they are able to pursue Christ more. We realize for some people, you've been reading the Bible for 40 years. And for some people, you've walked in here and go, I don't know where the book of Colossians is in the Bible. That's okay. God wants to take you on a journey. And so we create a vehicle that allows you to pursue Christ in greater ways. And so this morning, my, my desire in my heart, as we read the book of Colossians, as we preach this message of, of being a new community, my desire is that you would choose to step into more. I don't know what that step looks like for you. Maybe that step looks like having a coffee with someone you haven't spoken to in a year because they offended you. Maybe that looks like joining a life group. Maybe that looks like, for the first time in your life, going up to someone at church and introducing yourself. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know in the deepest place of my heart that community works. Because God designed it, His power is in it, and He wants to change the world through it. Amen.